social media is an echo chamber. It really is because only posts that relate to us show up on our news feeds. So left-leaning users see more liberal content, while those who swing right come across more conservative stories on social media. And when people step out of their bubble, they become surprised. Madalas, iniisip nila, Nako, bakit naman ganto mag-isip yung iba? What they aren't accustomed to, they ridicule. And this tendency threatens the possibility of different political thoughts from being discussed peacefully. Hey, it's Fifi and Jesse. Welcome to the People's Initiative, a podcast about the communities, places, and events that shaped elections in the Philippines. And in our first episode, we are going to talk about how social media could affect the 2022 presidential elections. That's right. Although we are nearly a year away from taking to the polls, it's worth understanding how platforms like Facebook, Twitter, could change the way we see politicians and the issues surrounding them. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, Vivi, I just wanted to ask you about your thoughts on the 2020 U.S. elections. You know, I'm definitely glad that the results of the U.S. elections is a step towards a more inclusive America because I've seen the U.S. in better conditions. And honestly, this ain't it. Right now, America is racially and politically divided, which is a stark contrast to what I experienced when I lived in Hawaii from 2007 to 2011. Back then, I barely saw people violently fighting with each other due to politics, and government supporters were more accepting of the truth, unlike now when certain people would call critical reports fake news. So I'm hoping that the next administration would undo all the hate that's been harbored during the past presidency. And of course, this change was made possible by a 92-year record-breaking turnout at 66.2%. According to Ariel Procaccia, a Harvard University computer science professor, this turnout was probably caused by the calls on social media to vote, which shows that social media has the potential to increase political participation. What about you, Jesse? How did you react to the 2020 elections? Hmm, ako, I think, siguro parang a like on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, kidding aside, I didn't really react per se, but it's interesting to see how even the Philippines celebrated the result of these elections. And to think that we live so far from the States, it's super cool to see so many celebrities there, you know, rejoicing about it also. Because I think a lot of celebrities and influencers here in the Philippines, at least, they've been pretty silent about things, you feel? Yeah, that's true. While there are people who, there are stars who are very vocal about politics, it's sad to say that there are still certain celebrities who don't want to talk about politics or they are breathing toxic beliefs in surrounding politics. Like, there are some people who cancel other people because they have different political views as theirs and some of their thoughts are very out of touch, you know. And it's sad because social media and these people have the power to affect how we carry out our role as citizens. But sadly, this influence that social media has 
has been hijacked by Cambridge Analytica in 2016 when it helped Rodrigo Duterte and Donald Trump have a successful presidential campaign. You know, our administration may have denied that CA helped Duterte, but there is evidence implying that he was a client of this organization. Ikangan Professor Maria Elise Mendoza. She is a political science associate professor at the University of the Philippines, Siliman, who wrote research on social media and political participation, namely one entitled Hashtag Halalan 2013, analyzing the role of social media in the 2013 Philippine senatorial elections. From my initial research on it, hindi directly, directly, 100% na established yung link ng Cambridge Analytica sa presidential elections. Like, they kept denying it. Even the Duterte's camp kept denying it. But then news reports point to a now-deleted statement from the parent company of Cambridge Analytica that although they did not explicitly state who the candidate client was, came, uh, the parent company of Cambridge Analytica, which is Strategic Communications Laboratories, claimed to oversee a project in the Philippines in which they rebranded the image of a client into a strong, no-nonsense man and used the element of crime to sway people's emotions. So I would say, in a nutshell, siguro, they, ca- they capitalized on people's emotional nature, particularly Filipinos' emotional nature. And also, by using the element of crime, they built up from the pent-up frustrations of Filipinos from previous administrations in order to project or to propel a candidate, a no-nonsense candidate, into popularity. Dude, diba the company hired strategists pa to share sensationalist messages appealing to Filipinos to shift their mindsets on political candidates. Tapos, emotional, behavioral, and psychological tendencies pa yung tinarget sa mga Pinoy. Oo, medyo shocking, diba? Yeah, tapos, they took users' personal information and then broke it down into bite-sized pieces to create profiles for targeted political ads that would work on these people. And this is shocking because even the Cambridge Analytica former chief executive officer admitted that they used these tactics. Grave! But you know, I can't fully decide if what Cambridge Analytica did was exclusively ethical or unethical because if you think on it, if you think about it on one side, these hired people were just doing their jobs. But on the other side, the people who were targeted didn't give their consent to have these information taken from them. You know, I have a, I kind of have an experience about this because I I made content for a particular brand and I sent it to them privately. But they took that message and posted it as a sponsored post. So technically, they took my content and made it into promotional material without my consent and I wasn't even aware that they used it as promotional content because they didn't even reply to me in the first place. So I didn't know, and I never would have known, if my friend never talked to me and told me, Hey Jess, grave, you're a star na pala. I saw you on this brand's page and showed me a screenshot of it. If that didn't happen, if that conversation didn't happen, I would never have known that my content was stolen. And okay, let's say that there are other bigger personalities online, but that's still my face, and that's my brand. That's me. And... The fact that that was taken um, and I wasn't aware of it makes me feel really bad. And that's when I think it's unethical because there was no consent. There was no heads up. So I never gave a go signal about it. So on that part, it's really bothering 
No, but what about you, Fifi? Looking at the ethics of CA, what do you have to say about what this agency did mga five years ago? You know, before I talk about my opinion, I just want to jump off of what you said. It would have been great if Cambridge Analytica and all these companies, these PR companies, gave us a heads up on what they were about to do with their clients, Duterte and Trump. But since that didn't happen, we weren't able to mentally and emotionally and psychologically prepare for what was going to happen during the 2016 elections. To add, what CA did was completely unethical because it's one thing to mudsling a politician, but it's another to use Facebook, aka the world's largest gatekeeper of information, to magnify falsehoods and target them to demographics that are more likely to believe fake news. You know, this information doesn't only affect the online space because it has real-life consequences as well. In America, there are people who think that the COVID-19 pandemic isn't real, that masks don't work, and that the COVID-19 vaccine contains a mind control chip. Of course, we know that's not true, but they don't. That's why they roam around the U.S. without a mask and refuse to get the vaccine, which could potentially hurt them and the people around them. And so the harms of the Cambridge Analytica scheme exist up until today because CA created an opportunity for life-threatening lies to thrive on social media. You know, this kind of reminds me of Professor Mendoza's thoughts on how morally ethical Cambridge Analytica was in her opinion. Hindi lang yung Cambridge Analytica, yung firm that is involved here. I mean, yes, they might have played a role, especially dun sa mga networks of companies nila, which I'm not completely familiar with. But then there are also a lot of local firms, local advertising firms that also played a role strategizing Duterte's online campaign. But in terms of the ethics of it, Chamber personally, I feel like we've been robbed of making uh, making informed decisions regarding our candidates. But that's that's personal to me. Na I've seen, this is also very personal to me, that I've seen how moral discussions of people changed uh, during the whole campaign period of the 2016 elections that the divisiveness among people na hindi, pa, hindi natin yung nakita before, how people were throwing hate speeches towards one another, how people were targeting fellow, uh, fellow Filipinos, and even how family members were beginning to fall apart just because of differing views. So para on a ver- very personal level, that's unethical for me kasi it damaged even our moral decision-making capabilities. It also le- led to cracks in personal relationships. But uh, that's on me. That's my personal opinion on that. Whew. Okay, that feels like a little bit of an information overload, so let's unpack that for a bit. What do you think she meant by that? Well, from what she said, I understood that there are plenty of political PR consultants that were hired to shape Duterte into a candidate that is pangmasa or for the masses. I can't argue with that because he has been branded as a person who cares about issues surrounding the poor, like the war on drugs. Ms. Mendoza also mentioned that the way Duterte was presented on social media harmed democracy because Cambridge Analytica and the rest of his campaign team made it look like he was the best choice out of all the other candidates. 
This message could weaken our ability to vote for the most competent politician. You know, it's a bit scary because when people stay on social media for a long time, then they're more likely to come across political propaganda. Eh, kung babad na babad ka sa mga Facebook posts ng isang kandidato, may chance na mas lalo mong papaniwalaan kung ano yung sinasabi niya. Totoo o maliman ang pinapakita niya sa kanyang social media pages. Ikaw naman, Jesse, aning thoughts mo about what Miss Mendoza said? Before I get into what Miss Mendoza said, I kind of wanted to bounce off from your point on being exposed to a particular political candidate or political propaganda because it makes sense when you think about how people learn depending on nature and nurture. And the more that people are nurtured into thinking a particular way, then obviously they will have an inclination to also think and believe that particular ideology. And bouncing off now from Ms. Mendoza's thoughts, I think agencies are just doing their job of improving the client's image because it's really not rare for politicians to hire agencies, communications teams to, you know, help them with pushing forward how they want to come across to the people. But their efforts have changed the way people discuss politics because we can disagree on particular things or even agree on particular things and we can choose or not choose to talk about these thoughts or these stances. Ms. Mendoza mentioned how divisiveness among people has proliferated. Now, the differences in views when transitioned into social media, these can blow up so easily eh? and these can create cracks in relationships with family and friends and even strangers, because it's so easy to just comment, send. And you can see a lot of people fighting on political posts, especially in the comments section. You know, it's a good thing you said that because Professor Mendoza has a similar point about how digital propaganda can affect our democracy. I think the disinformation efforts, which of course Cambridge Analytica played a big role in, sowed divisiveness among the people. And its goal was not to create vibrant political discussions. And I would say that it definitely hindered some citizens' ability to formulate meaningful public opinion or perceptions and to evaluate their candidates properly. Because every single time a person would try to voice out a political opinion, it would be met with ad hominem attacks, with hate speech. So parang on, a, on an individual perspective, ikaw as a person, nahihinder yung capability mo to formulate meaningful opinion. And then, in terms of substantive democracy, like free speech and all, I would say that these disinformation campaigns even went to the point of being able to silent free speech because people, some people would prefer not to participate anymore in discussions out of the fear of being targeted. Ms. Mendoza's out here spitting facts. These political attacks can really take a toll on one's mental health given that they are, one, very personal, and two, excessively harsh. Sobrang ad hominem pa nga ng iba na they will really stalk one's account and then use um, old posts or old photos and attack people because of those, because of the past. And this could lead to people being silent about their opinions because of the fear of that backlash and the fear of being attacked. But even then, I really, really still hope that those who choose to be silent still read or educate themselves because I'm sure that at one point, with the stuff that they've been reading or the stuff that they've been educating themselves with, they will be able to use that when they have conversations on their own and they will be able to talk about these things privately with the people that they're connected with or the people that they will connect with. 
And I hope that we can start normalizing changes in opinion and unlearning things so that we can start having more conversations with people who are willing to be educated, diba? You don't understand. I am obsessed with what you said. Sometimes we really have to nip our harmful habits in the bud. Let's not throw hate speech towards each other because we're already going through a pandemic, diba, which is already stressful. To add, the clash between opposing political camps could also endanger democracy because if we can't express our ideas openly, then we risk creating echo chambers in our respective communities. For the unenlightened, an echo chamber is an environment where a certain belief system is being reinforced and ideas challenging it are immediately shut down. For example, if someone were to go on Facebook and tell their friends, I like lollipops. If you don't like lollipops, then I'm going to unfriend you. And if their followers start liking lollipops for the sake of avoiding that negative consequence, then people would be pressured to believe that lollipops are great. In that situation, and others like it, happening around the world, social media is an echo chamber. It really is, because only posts that relate to us show up on our news feeds. So left-leaning users see more liberal content, while those who swing right come across more conservative stories on social media. And when people step out of their bubble, they become surprised. Madalas, iniisip nila, Nako, bakit naman ganito mag-isip yung iba? What they aren't accustomed to, they ridicule. And this tendency threatens the possibility of different political thoughts from being discussed peacefully. But in my opinion, I doubt we'll have totally peaceful online conversations anytime soon because social media props up sensationalist posts while ignoring mild-mannered ones. Posts that get a lot of clicks will be promoted more in others' newsfeeds. And on that note, Jakob Ohm's research in the Journal of Information Technology and Politics confirmed that Facebook contributes to divisive politics because the site compels people to take their opinions to extremes. To add context, naman, the study discovered that Europeans who were anti-immigration became more intolerant of immigration after being exposed to stories online that affirmed these thoughts. To keep things short, the longer we stay on social media, the higher the possibility of us being set in our ways. So we can see that social, the social media algorithm conditioned us to protect our existing mindset instead of being open to other perspectives. Sadly, this led to political divisiveness which has been magnified by Cambridge Analytica five years ago when it exploited Facebook for political gain and affected nearly 71 million American and about 1.2 million Filipino FB accounts. It's super interesting the way you talk about political divisiveness because I remember about something that happened really recently. It happened around a month ago, I think, around the 13th of November shortly after the typhoons that passed. And it's about this CEO of a local makeup brand called Colorette Cosmetics. Her name's Nina Dizon, and she faced so much backlash from internet users on November 13 after speaking out on the government's response to the country's issues. Because she tweeted on November 12, and I quote, Will we always be left to fend for ourselves? 
Can someone please take accountability for the Filipino people? Hashtag, nasaan ang Pangulo? And because of this, she trended on Twitter because a lot of the Duterte supporters were quick to defend the president and to attack her and even create a hashtag of their own, which is hashtag boycott colorette cosmetics. So, grabe, no? Ang galing naman ng power ng colorette to think na nag-trend sila nung 11-11 sale. Nag-trend ulit sila nung November 13. And the power of Miss Nina, really, because obviously there was so much hate that was targeted towards her and her brand. And it really will take a lot of strength from someone to use that hashtag that is attacking your brand and use it as an advertising campaign or as a promotional campaign. And sobrang smart and sobrang admirable for me to think that the step that she took, despite being attacked and despite being brought down, is that nag-restock siya ng lip tints nila and she sold it and all of those and all of the profit that she got from selling those lip tints, she used for relief efforts to buy relief goods and to buy food for those who were affected by the typhoon. So, grabe talaga yung power. Women. <laughs> the queen energy, wow. It's just amazing that Nina dealt with the attacks in a mature way. Instead of, you know, being bogged down by it, being dragged down by it. She used it as a way to promote her company and even profited out of it. That's really great. And I like the way that she called out these toxic tendencies of people to hate on people for just having different political beliefs as theirs. I mean, it's the 21st century. Can't we just have a peaceful conversation about it? You know, sip some tea, calm down a bit and just openly discuss it without judging others. But sadly, that's not happening right now. True. And to think that Nina, for the longest time that I've been following her, just because I like being updated about the beauty industry, and I mean, she's really interesting as a person. No? There's so much layers about her and she's really admirable as a person regardless of um, being a CEO of a company or not. But She's always been vocal about her political stance and her political views. And it's very interesting and also kind of strange that from the longest time that she's been posting about her views and her stance, dito pa siya nag-trend. No, parang, I don't know, there's really no answer about why it trended at this particular time, but it's it's a thought. Yeah, I... Definitely love how Nina just used her influence for the good. And I also love our conversation right now because it is very value-adding. We discuss the power of social media as a gatekeeper of information, Cambridge Analytica's tactics during the 2016 PH and U.S. elections, and ended with some thoughts on how disinformation affects our democracy. My biggest takeaway here is that we have to be vigilant and critical of what we see on social media. Before we react to a post, we should ask ourselves, what's the purpose of this post? What did its author want me to feel or do after reading this post? This would 
help us steer clear of fake news, which usually depends on shock value to get people's attention. I kind of want to add to your takeaway about the questions that one should ask themselves. I think it's also important to ask ourselves who is the person that is telling us this and why is it that this is the person who is telling us this particular post. But speaking of takeaways, hmm, I think we should come up with four. Salita na lang tayo. And let's start with you, Fifi, with number one. Hmm, well, just from the top of my head, I think it's essential to understand how echo chambers push people to either stay silent about politics or defend their ideas to the extremes. So in a sense, social media encourages divisive politics because it gives more platforms to sensationalist messages. It would be great and helpful if we knew that this was happening and we raise awareness to this so that we can prepare ourselves to critically look at social media and not be swayed by its harmful tactics. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so number two for me would be, it would be nice if we could make an effort to make political discussions more like a normal discussion and to limit outbursts so as not to make things explosive. Because we can have discussions, we can agree, we can disagree, and at the end of the day, we can still agree to disagree. (laughs) Back to you, Fifi. That was on period, queen of democracy queen of diplomacy i am here for it like <laughs> i am just wow obsessed sabi naman sabi ganon pero totoo naman like it also makes me want to makes you want to like explore what's happening why is this happening right and i realized that cambridge analytica is just a cog in the disinformation machine that has harmed our ability to independently judge candidates without being swayed by fake news. Right. And with that, we have number four, which is we should start normalizing learning and also unlearning ideas that could be toxic pala or, you know, outdated and start focusing on educating ourselves and also those who are willing to be educated. And other than that, I think it's also important to find people who have a goal to help others make decisions for themselves rather than pushing their beliefs onto others. Amen, sister. Couldn't have said it better myself. And with all that said and done, we would like to thank everyone who has tuned in to our first episode of The People's Initiative, a podcast about the communities, places, and events that shape Philippine elections. We hope you learned a lot from us and continue to stay informed on how different events can sway national politics. I'm Fifi. And I am Jesse, your host for the People's Initiative, signing off. If you like this episode, then subscribe wherever you are listening to and tune in to our next episode in two weeks. Paalam!